Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Bay Area Panthers pod. Part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Where you'll find analysis, news, notes, and more about the Bay Area Panthers of the Indoor Football League. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Randy and Evan Kiddings. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the Barry Panthers pod, as always on the 95.7 The Game podcast network. That is Mark Randy. I am Evan Giddings. And Mark, the Barry Panthers in week 14 of the IFL got back to business, got back into the win column after suffering a defeat on the road. They now beat the Vegas Nighthawks in Vegas this weekend to improve to eight and four. They remain in first place in the Western Conference by a half game over Arizona, who they lost to last week. The Panthers are now seven and three in the Western Conference after they take down the Vegas Nighthawks 56 to 41. And maybe not as dominating of an offensive performance as the first meeting between these two sides, Mark, but certainly a get-right game for the Panthers, and I was glad to see them take advantage. Yeah, 100%. And there were just a, a couple of moments of this game where I think they let Vegas back into it. Um, but for the most part, it was a, a dominant display for Bay Area. Again, the final score, as you said, 56-41 doesn't seem incredibly dominant, but just the way that Bay Area came out to start this game. I mean, they get a touchdown on the first play from scrimmage. A Dalton Sneed deep bomb to Nye Jackson. It's becoming the most predictable play in the IFL. If you are looking to defend the Panthers, I don't think I'm giving away any secrets because it is plain to see. Bay Area's first play from scrimmage. They're taking a deep shot, not just any, specifically to Nye Jackson. I would suggest you cover that dude at least on the first play of the game because odds are Bay Area is going to him to open the game. They got that. They lead early. The extra point missed, so they're up 6 nothing. And then on Vegas's first drive, Trey Meadows made a really nice play to break up a, a pass in the end zone to force a field goal attempt. There was a bad snap by Vegas. They don't even get the kickoff. Bay Area gets the ball back. And it quickly turns into a Justin Rankin 13-yard touchdown run. And about four minutes to go in the first quarter, Bay Area is already up by two scores. And it it stayed two scores for much of the game. Again, there were a couple of moments here or there uh, where Vegas managed to get back in. Bay Area even pushed it to a three-score lead, 28-7. to 
a little more than halfway through the second quarter. Um, but just Bay Area's start on the road against not one of the better teams in the conference. I mean, this is a Vegas team now that is on the outside looking in and seems very unlikely they will make the playoffs. Um, but just to come out and dominate early on, to give yourself a two-score lead early in this game on the road, it was the best start this team has had on the road all season. Uh, I was I was really impressed. Again, a couple of moments here and there where they let Vegas back into it. Um, but just to see them come out as quickly as they did was impressive to me. I, I, I was impressed by the start considering this was a road game where we had seen Bay Area struggle at times this year. So a really good performance in my mind. Yeah, and to your point, they led by 21 three different times in this game. So Vegas did not go away, but Bay Area just kind of continuously put their foot on the gas pedal. And it was not the exact same start, but almost a, a similar first half to the first meeting between these two sides. First meeting, Bay Area goes up 15 nothing In this game, this weekend, Bay Area goes up 12 nothing on the Nighthawks, who then respond with a four-play, 25-yard drive to kind of cap the end of the first quarter. Daquan Neal, and something that you've brought up, Mark, which we can get into as this episode continues, uh, the dual-threat quarterback has given the Barry Panthers fits throughout this year. He scores from seven yards out to make it 12-7 to going into the second quarter, and that is where Bay Area uh, made its first separation and probably the one that ended up giving them the cushion to win this game outright. I mean, Dalton Sneed as the, the quarterback who has been arguably as efficient as anyone in this league, not a big day through the air, just six of 10, 97 yards and two touchdowns. But in that second quarter, it was the ground game that got the Panthers working. They scored 23 points to Vegas's seven. And, uh, you know, Dalton Sneed, after a drop potential touchdown on the first drive after Vegas scores to end the first quarter, one play later calls his own number on a quarterback delay, goes 16 yards for the score. After two missed extra points in the first quarter, they set up for two, they get it. And then kind of, kind of similar to that first quarter mark, they get a goal line stand where it looked like the Quan Neal might've been able to sort of punch it in on that first down run. Antoine Kincaid stands him up on second down. Trey Meadows has another pass breakup in the end zone on third down. And then combined with two Vegas penalties on that one goal line try, uh, they get backed up and they are foiled yet again. Bay Area immediately scores on the ensuing possession of 46-yard touchdown from Dalton Sneed to JT Stokes, certainly his longest of the season with two points tacked on there. Uh, Vegas does go down the field and scores after to respond a little bit. Shout out to a former Bay Area Panther, Devontae Sapp Lynch, catching a touchdown on that drive. And then the drive that I, I really want to focus on, Mark, that final three-minute and 23-second possession to end the first half of the second quarter, Bay Area put together a clinic of how you want to manage the clock, run it down, even through the one-minute morning in which you have to worry about, of course, timeouts, but also stop clock after first downs, stop clock after incompletions, which don't apply for the rest of the game. They you know, go nine plays, 34 yards, 
seven of which go to Justin Rankin, who had a game-high 17. He was a force on the ground, helps them convert a fourth down at the minute mark, and, of course, helps them convert on their fourth and goal attempt from seven yards out in which he scores to make it 35-14 to in the half. It was about as picture-perfect of a second quarter as one could put together, and a big reason of that was the, the bell cow back himself, Justin Rankin. Yeah, Rankin was incredible in this game. I also had circled that last drive to close the first half. I thought it was one of the be- biggest moments in this game. Just think, if Bay Area does not score there, or or maybe they score a little too quickly, Vegas goes down and scores again. Instead of a 21-point lead at half, you're looking at a 14-point lead at half. Vegas gets the ball to begin the third quarter. They went down and scored. Let's say that happens again. Suddenly, it's a seven-point game early in the second half, and Vegas is feeling like, all right, we weathered the storm. We're back in this. We get one stop defensively, and suddenly this is a tie ball game. So uh, for Bay Area, again, not just to score to close the first half, but to literally score in the final seconds. I think they probably would have preferred avoiding a fourth down play altogether and and maybe giving the ball back to Vegas with just a little bit more time on the clock. But the fact that it worked out so perfectly um, was was a great sign for Bay Area. Their their end of half execution, you know, in, in college and in the NFL, it's called the two minute warning. It's different in the IFL, more like a or not not the two minute warning, but the two minute drill. It's it's different in the IFL. I'm not even sure if calling it the one-minute drill is accurate because of you know how short the field is, only 50 yards. It's more like a 45-second a drill where you're trying to use every second of that clock. Um, but whatever you want to call it, Bay Area executed it to perfection uh, to close the first half. That was a huge moment because there were some twists and turns in the second half. I mean, Vegas tried an onside kick. Unfortunately, it looked like it bounced off of the chest of Cottrell Haywood and and Vegas falls on it. They get that. Suddenly it's a one possession game. If Bay Area didn't execute as perfectly as they did to close the first half, that could have been a play that tied the game for Vegas instead of only cutting it to a one score game. So that touchdown led by Justin Rankin executed by this this entire offense. You're right. That was that was very huge. And, And perhaps Bay Area does not come out on top, or at the very least, this one goes down to the wire without that score for Bay Area. Well, and especially because Vegas got the ball out of the half. So they respond with a 20-7 to third quarter, and what you're talking about is the Nighthawks not rolling over in any way, shape, or form and executing, uh, particularly on special teams. But they get the ball to open up the second half. Daquan Neal caps a six-play, 25-yard drive that that spans about four minutes. So if we're talking about Bay Area taking time off the clock, uh, they had three, three-plus-minute possessions. Yeah. Vegas had two in which spanned over four minutes. Uh, didn't help them down the stretch of the game, but they also controlled the clock with some ease as well. Daquan Neal, another touchdown run from six yards out at the 1034 mark. That trims it to 14. And then Bay Area moves down the field. They put the ball in the hands of Justin Rankin, who again had 17 carries on the game. 95 yards, another three touchdowns. He just continues to rack up the most rushing touchdowns by a running back in the IFL by a wide margin, in fact. And so Rankin punches home another one. And then this is where at 42 to 21, the third and final 21 point margin uh, for the Panthers, this is where it gets kind of weird because after that touchdown run, 
I think it was on the extra point or afterwards, words were exchanged between the two sides. Bay Area and Vegas start to get chippy. They, they came back from the commercial break that we had a chance to watch on the IFL YouTube stream, and they allotted, I think it was three total unsportsmanlike penalties. It seemed like there could have easily been more the way that the bench is cleared after the extra point, two of which went against Vegas, one went against the Panthers, and then... Vegas essentially uses that to kind of catapult themselves back into this football game because Caleb Hawley catches a nine-yard touchdown from Daquan Neal after a four-play 37-yard drive, and there is when the onside kick that you're talking about comes into play. I don't think they necessarily caught the Panthers off guard. Uh, That special teams unit was up towards the line, sort of expecting maybe not exactly an onside kick, but either a squib, something funky. And Stevie Arteague, a former Bay Area Panther from last season, puts a perfect kick right on the chest of Cottrell Haywood. He can't make the play. Vegas gets it. One play later, they punch it in from a few yards out. And at that point, Mark, then you're looking at the end of the third quarter, uh, you know, a 42 to 28 basically turnaround. And then the Vegas Nighthawks capitalize on a 47-yard touchdown pass later on from Daquan Neal to Caleb Hawley. So it's like the the Barry, I don't want to say the Barry Panthers completely, you know, thought this game was over. Uh, but Vegas at home with the home crowd just absolutely grabbed this game by the reins in that third quarter, and it demanded that Bay Area redial in uh, to win this game. And they did, but this that's just an example of how quickly the game in the IFL can can turn. Again, you're right. You're up 42-21 after that Rankin run with about six minutes to go in the third quarter. If you're a Bay Area Panther on the sideline, you're a Bay Area Panther fan, you're feeling great. Vegas goes down and scores. Okay, not a big deal. The offense for Bay Area has really been scoring every single possession. You get the ball back, you're going to go down and score again. It's going to be back up to a 21-point lead, and you're just going to continue trading scores until this game is over. So after that Vegas score, it's a 14-point game. And then the onside kick, and then Vegas, a one-play drive back in the end zone again. And suddenly, it's a one-score game. And this is where it gets tight for Bay Area. This is, while while I... I wasn't necessarily happy that it, it got down to this moment. I was really eager to see how Bay Area would respond in a moment like this. You're leading by 21 points, as you mentioned, for a lot of the game through three quarters. You blink, and suddenly it's an eight-point game going into the fourth quarter. How does Bay Area bounce back from this? And what did they do? You've been talking about Justin Rankin this entire episode. They gave the ball to their workhorse. A six-play drive. There was one incompletion. The other five plays were runs. Three for Justin Rankin. Two for Dalton Sneed. 38 yards on the ground. 38 yards on the drive. All of them were on the ground. 28 from Rankin. 10 from Sneed, including Sneed's seven-yard touchdown run. Bay Area did not take any chances. Again, Vegas just cut it to a one-score game, and Bay Area completely content staying conservative, running the ball with their star running back and their star quarterback, and no problem getting into the end zone, not even facing tough situations. Big chunks of yards for Rankin on the ground, big chunks of yards, especially on the touchdown run by Dalton Sneed. Um, and, And they pass that test, in my mind, with flying colors. How do they respond on the road when they're really dominating a game, but the scoreboard isn't really representing that? They go out and they stick it to the Vegas defense just by running the ball. How incredibly nice is it if you are a coach in this league 
to be able to rely on your running attack for something like this. It's not really what teams in the IFL do. And Bay Area certainly has the ability to just throw the ball down the field and score points that way. But how nice is it to not have to take risks through the air and you feel comfortable with the ball in Justin Rankin's hands? He rarely, if ever, fumbles. That is something that Bay Area can lean on that not many other teams can. Um, and I think it's it's really telling that that is what Bay Area turned to perhaps in the game's biggest moment. Yeah, and they looked look, they they learned from their mistakes. Like you talk about the the rushing, you know, that's something that has I think defined Bay Area, especially with the addition of Justin Rankin this offseason. Um and, and to your point, I think it's it's also important to distinguish that the Panthers, not like many teams, have a traditional running game. Like Daquan Neal ran all over the Barry Panthers defense in this True. game. And we'll get to that drive that encapsulated most of it in just a second. Uh, but there's a lot of dual threat ability at the quarterback position. You know, Daquan Neal is certainly one of them, but there's a laundry list of quarterbacks that can do both and especially have hurt the Panthers with their legs on the ground. But there's not many running backs in this league like Rankin that you can simply put the football in the belly of and expect positive yards. 17 carries for 95 yards and three touchdowns, about six yards a pop is nothing to scoff at. And that does not happen very often, especially with the kind of versatile hybrid fronts that a lot of teams offer. But to get back to the, to that fourth quarter in which the Panthers, I would say learn from their mistake and then gain separation is they put pressure on Vegas on the, ensuing drive of that touchdown run by Rankin. It was a 49-34 ball game at that point. They force two incompletions right off the rip of that drive, and then Daquan Neal hits him with a 41-yard third-down rush to put them in the red zone. A couple of plays later, they punch it in. Daquan Neal finds Caleb Hawley for another touchdown. And at that point, Bay Area is essentially, you know, the if, if obviously if they continue to continue to score, they keep pace, they'll win the football game. But you have to know that at some point that onside kick that worked earlier is coming. And it comes right at the 744 mark of the football game where Stevie Arteague tries to drop another one past the Panthers. This time they do fall on the football at the one, in fact, after some wrestling goes on underneath the pile. They pick it up. They start their possession. One play, JT Stokes, a rush on a you know a classic kind of jet sweep action that Dixie Wooten as offense coordinator loves to run. They punch it in. They go up by what would be you know th their final margin, essentially fifty six to forty one. And then at that point, uh, Dequan Neal is forced into some obvious passing situations. The pass defense with the Panthers steps up, uh, but they basically took care of the football game. Mark midway through that fourth quarter by being able to after not recover an onside kick earlier that got the Nighthawks back into the football game, fall on top of it, and then capitalize. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, Bay Area stabilized in the fourth quarter, and it, it was, again, great to see because they hadn't – they have big wins on the road, um, but this felt like a test where the, the scoreboard wasn't representative, I think, of the effort. And at times in moments like that, I think it's easy for teams not to – not to give up or or to shy away, but just to kind of let that eat at you. Like you look up at the scoreboard and you're thinking, oh my God, it's an eight point game. Like this is ridiculous. And it, you lose your focus for just a moment. And then it allows the home team to continue to feed on that momentum they're creating. And then things can get out of hand. But 
Bay Area really buckled down. Again, credit to Justin Rankin for actually doing the work on the ground on that big drive. But I think Dalton Sneed deserves a ton of credit. Again, only 6 of 10 passing, but, I mean, they were big completions, 97 yards and two touchdowns. He also rushed for 40 yards and a touchdown. And I know we, we've talked about it, you know, here or there on the pod this year, Evan. Uh, Dalton Sneed, where does he rank in terms of the, the top quarterbacks in the NFL? I think I'm here just to come out and say it. I'm ready. Dalton Sneed should be the MVP of the league. He's been just incredible for Bay Area this year. There are other candidates. E.J. Hilliard of Quad City has been incredible, leads the league in a lot of statistical categories, including touchdown passes and yards. But when you consider what Dalton Sneed is doing, 39 touchdown passes this season, second best in the league, only three interceptions thrown. Of, Of all players that have at least... Eight games played, it's the fewest interceptions thrown by a quarterback in the NFL, and he's just percentage points off of the lead for completion percentage. And he's, guess what, Uh, in in terms of yards thrown for, he's third in the league. So second in touchdowns, third in yards, fewest interceptions, literally tenths of a percentage point away from leading in completions. And he's on the, the one seat as it stands right now in the Western Conference. Dalton Sneed 100% deserves to be in the top three of the MVP vote if it happened right now. And he might get my vote if if I was asked to vote on this award. That is how good he's been. So I want to officially begin the Dalton Sneed for MVP campaign because he's deserving of it. Before we dive into that conversation, a big reason that he is in that conversation is because of the team that he played this weekend, the Vegas mm-hmm. Nighthawks, who I think are very much uh, damning their decision last year to cut Dalton Sneed. And so he has had an opportunity to place multiple revenge games on his old employer. And Mark, you said he has 36 passing touchdowns, correct? Uh, let me double check. 30, 39 passing touchdowns. Oh, sorry, 39. I was yeah. I was hoping for 36 because then a clean 25% of them have come <laughs> against the Vegas Nighthawks because he threw for franchise record seven at the SAP Center last month, and he threw another two in addition to running for an additional two against Vegas this last weekend. So he has taken full of advantage of his opportunities against his former team and has played with his chip on his shoulder against the Nighthawks, a team the Panthers should beat and have beaten both times by double digits. As far as the MVP conversation goes, and I like where your mind is headed, the only reason, and I think it's a great reason, hear me out, the only reason I would not be able to get all on board with Dalton Sneed is because I'm split between Dalton Sneed and Justin Rankin. I think <laughs> Justin Rankin deserves an equal amount of consideration for the MVP uh. at this point because the only time that I have seen the Panthers without Justin Rankin, well, number one, they lost to a, you know, a great team in Massachusetts, but they look like a totally different offense. And when he is in the ballgame, Mark, it is so much different with him on the field, as I'm sure it would be without Dalton Sneed, but together, I almost look at them just like a perfect pairing. PB and J, you know, they they go so well together in every single offensive situation that it's hard for me to separate the two. If I had to pick one, it'd be like 
choosing a child that I don't have at this point, I think it'd be a very tough decision. So it's the uh, it's the Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry effect is what you're saying. They're both so good. Well, that... I wouldn't bring that up uh, around Warriors fans, <laughs> but yes, if you're a rational, you know, uh, it splits the vote. knowledgeable person. Yes, it would split it, the vote. It, split, it splits the vote. hundred um, percent. I think that's fair. Uh, Justin Rankin is certainly deserving of some. If you're generally, this is going to go to a quarterback. It's similar to the NFL in that way. I, I legitimately think there are three candidates. Um, unfortunately, Justin Rankin just simply isn't one of them because of the position that he plays. There are three legit candidates in my mind. It's TJ Edwards, the quarterback for Frisco, uh, who has been incredible. He is doing most of his damage on the ground, as Bay Area knows. He has 41 rushing touchdowns. Justin Rankin is second in the IFL in rushing touchdowns with 30. So, so TJ well, Edwards now, th- 33 now. Uh, so, so TJ Edwards is, is just absolutely dominating, um, everyone in terms of on the ground scoring. He doesn't lead the IFL in rushing yards. That's Jimmy Robinson of Massachusetts, but he's second TJ Edwards is, and he's thrown for a ton of yards. Doesn't really have the, the touchdowns to match up to compete with EJ Hilliard or Dalton Sneed. But I think those are the three. TJ Edwards of Frisco, EJ Hilliard of Quad City, and Dalton Sneed of Bay Area. If you're an Arizona Rattlers fan listening to this as you're fighting with Bay Area for the top seed in the West, you might be yelling at me, well, where's Drew Powell? He's missed a handful of games, only eight games played for Drew Powell this year. I think, unfortunately, that has to dock him. He's been really good in his eight games played, and maybe if if he's able to, to pull out a a one seed in the West, that's enough to convince the voters. But I legitimately think it's a three-horse race right now, and Dalton Sneed has as good of a chance as any uh, to win that award. I do think it is dependent on Bay Area getting the one seed in the West uh, because Frisco is probably going to get the one seed in the East is what it seems like to me. Um, so it, it might be dependent on that, but if Bay area is, is able to, to check that box off too, I don't, I don't see a reason why Snead can't win the MVP. No, I don't think so either. I just think he's got some stiff competition at the top. The EJ right. Hilliard has more passing touchdowns, but is probably on a lesser team in quad city at this point. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Right now, in my mind, the the biggest threat to both the Bayerie Panthers as well as Dalton Sneed's MVP candidacy is the team that that's coming up this week, and that is the Frisco Fighters because yep. that team is an absolutely rolling ten and two this year. 
They are undefeated at home, which Barry Pan- the Barry Panthers are going to. Of course, the Panthers handed the Fighters their first loss of the season back on May 20th at SAP Center. And, Mark, I, I don't know how much you read into this or how much of a wrench it throws into the game upcoming this weekend, and which you can catch on 95-7 the game. It's going to be June 24th. That's a Saturday, 7.05 kick down in Frisco. And so local time, it'll be 5.05 here. But... Uh, Frisco has punched their ticket to the playoffs. They are officially in after a win 37-29 last week against Northern Arizona. So not to say that they don't have anything to prove when it comes to beating a team that handed them their first loss of the year. But I am curious to see how they'll approach this game considering right now uh, they're in the driver's seat, obviously, for playoff positioning. But right now, the rest of the East isn't exactly a place that you can look at and determine, all right, there's going to be a lot of stiff competition. They have a one and a half game lead right now on Massachusetts, as well as the tiebreaker. Yeah, they've played one extra game for Massachusetts. So let's just let's just game it out. Assume Massachusetts wins that extra game. Frisco has a one game lead on the Pirates, but as it currently stands, you're right. They do have the tiebreaker, which is conference record. Frisco only one loss in conference, Massachusetts three. So it it would take a little bit for Frisco to be uh, moved off of that top spot. But I, I think we're still too early in the season for Frisco to be not not writing off games or anything of that magnitude. But for them to, to be like, well, we don't 100% need this game. I think they're upset that Bay Area was able to handle them and, and pick up that win uh, late in May, about a month ago now. Uh, it was when Bay Area gave Frisco their first loss. And and since then, they've been a little uneven. Again, they lost to Bay Area. They they won against the strike force, San Diego, that is at home. But they gave up 56 points in the process. Then they gave up 72 points to that same Massachusetts team that is on their heels for second place as well. And then a couple of relatively narrow wins against Sioux Falls and Northern Arizona, not bad teams by any stretch, probably both going to be playoff teams, but they really haven't been that same dominant team uh, that they were before Bay Area played them. So I'm really looking forward to this game, much like the Arizona matchup from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Huge, huge game. Game of the week status in the IFL. Uh, This could be a championship game preview if things break you know, the way for these two teams, if they break in, in favor of these two teams. Um, but I I understand your point. I think that time might be coming for Frisco, um, but I don't think it's here yet at all. I, I think they're pissed off. I think they're upset. I think they want to hand Bay Area a loss to even up this series and, and get a little bit of payback for what the Panthers did to them a month ago. Yeah, and, and for the Panthers, it's about establishing a season sweep over the, the best team in the IFL because right now they got two more games left on their schedule after this weekend. Of course, July 10th is the next time you and last time you can see the Panthers at home at SAP Center. Go to BarryPanthers.com for your tickets there. It'll be against the Strike Force after a bye week, July 10th on a Monday at 7.05. So make sure to pencil that in your calendars. Um but the last time they played this team, Mark, T.J. Edwards threw for two touchdowns. He ran for five, including 121 yards on the ground, and the Panthers still found a way to win. I think we've identified that as you know the um, crowning achievement so far of their season, the best game that they've played all around, and they will need it again to try and get this job done. And you know, Frisco's got that bulletin board material, uh, but 
five o'clock local time. If you can't tune in on the IFL YouTube feed, uh, listen in on 95.7 the game because that's going to be maybe, like you said, a championship preview. Yeah, no, it, it's going to be an awesome game. Regardless of result, you feel like this one should be competitive all the way down to the end. When you have the offense that Bay Area does, Dalton Sneed, legit MVP candidate, Justin Rankin, best running back in the game. And if it weren't for just the way we vote for these kinds of awards, also legitimate MVP candidate, uh, 100%. They can score with anybody. Frisco has incredible talent on offense as well. It's going to be a ton of fun. Regardless of, of outcome, who wins, I expect this game to be high scoring. Both teams probably in the 50s, and it, it might come down to the final few minutes. So definitely tune in. Yep, we're looking forward to it. Week 15 of IFL action. Barry Panthers going for their ninth win overall. They remain in first place in the Western Conference after beating Vegas 56-41 to over the weekend. That'll wrap things up for this episode of the pod. We appreciate you tuning in. Also want to remind you that the final home date of the season is after the bye week. It's on July 10th, Monday night, 7.05 kick from SAP Center in San Jose. You do not want to miss it. And of course, to remind you again, the game this weekend against Frisco that you also want to tune in for is at 5.05 local time, 7.05 central time. The two best teams in the IFL going head to head. And we are going to be here to cover it next week on the Barry Panthers pod. As that wraps things up for Mark, my name is Evan. We'll talk to you next time after a hopeful Panthers win against the Frisco Fighters. We'll see. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bay Area Panthers Pod, part of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 